0: Welcome to New England Hockey Journal's Rinkwise podcast. The podcast for serious hockey players and their supporters to help further their development and navigate their way throughout their hockey careers. And now here is your host, New England Hockey Journal's Kirk Ludicky. Hello and welcome back
1: to the New England Hockey Journal's Rinkwise podcast. I am your host Kirk Ludicky. So happy that you can join us. We have two very special guests in Cushing Academies, Steve Jacobs and Paul Pearl. Steve Jacobs is a longtime coach, and he's now moved on to be the director of hockey. Paul Pearl coming over to Cushing Academy from Boston University, where he will now be the head coach. These two individuals have tremendous insights. Before we get to that conversation, though, I want to remind you to go to hockeyjournal.com where you can become an exclusive member, subscribe, and get access to all of our special content. We have so much out there from prep hockey coverage, and as we get closer to the prep hockey season, you know we're going to be ramping it up. College hockey season has started. The Boston Bruins are right around the corner, and we have so much to offer. Do not forget that as part of your subscription, you can opt to have our print magazine delivered, our latest issue, September, October. It features Northeastern University... Uh, Coach Jerry Keefe and Captain Jordan Harris on the cover, leaders of the pack, uh, they started well with a shutout win over uh, Bentley, and uh, there's a lot going on with New England Hockey Journal. So again, HockeyJournal.com, subscribe, and of course our podcasts are always downloadable and free on Apple, Spotify, our website, and wherever you get your podcasts. So, Let's get to it, and here is the in-depth conversation with Steve Jacobs and Paul Pearl. We're so glad to have you, Coach Jacobs, Coach Pearl. Um, just how's everything going at Cushing academy with uh, with the new school year, and uh, how's everything going with the with the the positions at the school and and the respective transitions?
2: Yeah, well,, um it's going great it's going great and thanks for having us here appreciate it and uh it's been an easy transition i think having coach pearl who's so familiar with the landscape and the the players and also with prep school where his son bobby played in prep school and went to a great school so uh that part of it's been great
3: yeah it's been fantastic everybody at cushing has been uh extremely welcoming. Obviously, very fortunate to have Coach Jacobs uh, there. You know, it can be a little intimidating to be coaching at the place where the rink is named after the guy that you're coming after. But, you no, know, it's been fantastic. And, and led by Steve, everyone at Cushing has been amazing to work with, and it's been a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, great. I mean, you've had some, a lot of wins, a lot of wins at Cushing over the years. It's a, it's a storied program. But before we, before we go into, into that, let's, can we, can we look at your respective backgrounds? I mean, just, you know, Coach Jacobs, will start with you. How did you get into hockey and, you know, like what were your experiences and, and, and how'd you get into coaching?
2: Well, um, I got into hockey because growing up in Hudson, Mass, it was a, it was a hockey town, so to speak, where, uh, you know, I guess it started in the 50s with Firestone Rubber Company moving in, a lot of French Canadians, and then um, I grew up in the Bobby Phil Esposito era, and both of my older brothers also played hockey, so uh, I've loved hockey since day one, and then as I, you know, I played three sports in high school, so I always wanted to be a coach, I, you know. Um, little did I know. Um, you know, what a great privilege it would be to be a coach. I just knew I wanted to be involved in sports and coaching and teaching kids.
1: Great. Coach Pearl?
2: I
3: grew up in Winthrop, and uh, a lot of hockey played there. Everyone, like Coach Jacobs, everyone was a three-sport guy, football and hockey and baseball. And, um, you know, going through, I was fortunate enough to go to Holy Cross, and, and after the fact, stayed in touch with uh, Bob DeFelice, who was longtime baseball coach and uh, athletic director at Bentley, and he was really a guy professionally that I admired greatly, and just kind of followed his path. I thought I'd be a high school coach. I started at Portsmouth Abbey 30 years ago, and a couple of years there, and uh, Bruce Marshall uh, from UConn was recruiting one of our guys, and I ended up going to him to be an assistant, but... I love the prep school level, so kind of coming back to Cushing here has been a little bit of a full-circle thing. And um, Yeah, like, like Coach said, very privileged to be able to coach for a living. You know, it's, been, it's a pretty good gig if you can get it.
1: Win- Winthrop Mass, Mike Ruzioni Mike's, Mike's a very, very good friend. His uh,
3: nephew is uh, one of my best friends growing up, Bobby Crossman, and um, been tight with the Ruzionis and the Crossmans and everybody for a long time.
1: Any uh, fond memories of that miracle on ice? Uh? Experience. Yeah, we, we
3: we were getting the live up to date I was over at Bobby's house, uh, in the basement playing knee hockey while we were getting live uh updates from uh, Jeep is the only Mike's dad uh, was calling in in between periods from uh from Lake Placid. It was pretty right, cool, right,
1: yeah. Because because people might not remember, but it was on tape delay, right? So yeah. no one really knew what was going on, and so you you had a a front row seat to to the the greatest upset in history. Yeah,
3: uh, we were very privileged. We were getting the info <laughs> right away, and um Mike's sister Connie, um, he his Bobby's mom, and so they'd be calling the house in between periods. It was awesome.
1: Yeah. So um, you know, on that on that note, um you know coach pearl you you, you've been you've been at this a while and and just curious about your 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 thoughts on the on the on the current uh, player development model given what you've seen as a as a college coach and uh you know how the players you've been around are prepared to to play college hockey and beyond when they're when they're coming up to those top level programs
3: i i think that um like anything you you can be a Cloud yeller and say it used to be better back in the old days when they did this and that. But I, I think we have good athletes playing hockey, especially here, state of Mass. And um, you know, I, I do worry a little bit about kids doing it twelve months a year. Now uh-huh. it's it's a little much to me. I mean, I just I, I get why it happens and everybody specializes in things. But I do think, and probably the days of the true three sport athlete may be done with. But I do like when kids at least play two. You know, and have other experiences to develop themselves athletically, you know, just playing hockey isn't necessarily just going to make you a great hockey player. Play hockey, a little lacrosse, play hockey, a little baseball, play hockey, football, whatever it might be. I I think it helps you in the long run. And, you know, the one thing you do see is a lot of great 12-year-old players that aren't even playing hockey when they're 16 anymore. And that, that, to me, is the bad part, that you would ever get sick of such a great sport. But, but overall, I mean, we still have top-end guys. You look at our 05 group here in the state. Five, uh, three kids made the National Development Program. And, you know, the sixes is probably as deep a group deep. as come through in a long time in Massachusetts. really good. And behind them, I think the sevens are going to be the same way. So there are some really, really good players and some excellent youth coaches out there working with these kids. So I, I think long-term, it looks good. You know, I think it's a popular thing for um, people to – Say negative things about mass hockey, and you know we're not doing this, and we're not doing that. But it, the the proof is that there's a lot of good players coming out. So I think the future is bright.
1: Yeah, I agree, Coach Jacobs. You talked about being a three sport athlete in, in high school and how that that worked for you. I mean, what are you, what are your thoughts on on the on the specialization of hockey? Because I mean, it was really out of necessity, right? We didn't have ice year round, right? And it wasn't accessible. So, right.
2: and back then we never thought anything of it. And I agree with Paul. The specialization is. Um, you know, kids get pushed so hard that sometimes, as Paul said, they leave at an early age. But, uh, you know, we I had Ray Bork on the bench with me for a few years, and he was like, I played baseball. They need to play. I mean, that's proof right there. They need to play other sports. And, of course, we love to have the multiple-sport athletes for so many reasons. Yeah.
1: Right, right. And, you know, you know who else talked about the importance of the multi, being a multi-sport athlete was Brian Leach. Uh, I interviewed him years ago when he was selected for the hall of fame and and he said the same thing you know he was concerned then about the, the specialization and just he said he also said though you know you just got to go be a kid too you have yeah. to, you have to find time to to grow up and 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 do some you know do different things because there 's just you know there 's so much pressure and you know, you don't want to open a can of worms on this, but it really is i mean if you as coaches from your perspective, what would you tell kids that and, and parents maybe that are that are Going down that road where hockey is becoming all-consuming and it's just taking over, what what would you maybe say to them to maybe help them get get a broader perspective on what else is out there?
2: Yeah, I would say get them involved in many things, you know, and make sure you enjoy it and they enjoy it. It's all about the fun aspect. Being a kid, you develop as an athlete while you're being a kid. And um, normal things, you know, go to the beach in the summertime play a little baseball, play wiffle ball in the backyard. You don't have to be in all these tournaments every weekend. Um, when we were growing up, we went to hockey school for a week or two weeks, right? right. Yeah. And we did just fine. It's, you know, I mean, you, you want to do a little bit more than that now, but I'm a big believer in do, do training. I, I'm not fond of all these crazy tournaments. I don't know what you think. A hundred percent.
3: I mean, th- there's no question that um, the... The way rinks work, and they have to keep things running. Um, I get it. it, but if you are going to skate in the summer and in off seasons, you should be training, not playing in games. You literally—I mean—they've done studies with USA Hockey, and the best players, the Gretzky's, they—they've got the puck on their stick for like two minutes out of the entire game. You know, whereas in a practice, at least you're getting better. And kids love to play games, so you're going to play games, obviously. But there's a way to make it fun without having to trudge out to x rink and play six games in the middle of august like no one's getting anything out of that
1: right do you notice the fatigue factor when you're watching these you're watching these and and granted i mean context is everything right so we had covid which really prevented players from being seen and getting that exposure a year ago so my sense was in, in being here this summer and watching a lot of summer hockey was it there was like a rush for people to be able to go to as much as they could. Maybe it's like being at the buffet in Vegas, and your eyes are bigger than your stomach, and you sign up for all these things. And then, but do you really think that uh, there's a fatigue factor, and that that can be really detrimental to to a player uh, because they're playing so much hockey, they just get get tired.
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, not not just physically, but mentally too. And then it's not real hockey either. I right, mean, it's it's, right. it's there's no real team concept. It's everyone's out there to try to show their skill set. Which is good, but I tell them that just just go have fun if you are going to play. Right. It's fun meeting other guys and, and playing with them, but yeah, the fatigue. I think, um, especially it's still set up like youth hockey. You play one game at ten in the morning, and you could play another one at nine fifty at night, right. so
1: or earlier. Yeah,
2: you know that's yeah. the thing. I mean, I or earlier, yeah, it's <laughs> earlier
1: activity. than nine. I get it, guys. I was, I, we did this in the USHL. We would have our periodic showcases with the, you know, the AAA teams that would come into Omaha, and it was the same thing. It was just, a, it was a grind, um, and so yeah. I mean, that's just that's that's great perspective. So, um, Coach Jacobs, going back to you because you've you've seen a lot. You've seen the way. Uh, the pathways have changed. I mean, when you go back and you look at the '80s and the '90s, and the way players would would come up and they'd go to prep, and then they would be off to, you know, they could go right into D1. Um, what do you what What did you think are some of the biggest changes you, you've seen just in terms of the, the the development developmental pathways for players?
2: Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Um, when I first started, the play, you know, 1978, the players were going. Um, straight from high school and prep school to college. And it's a lot different now, you know, uh, obviously, you know being part of the USHL, the USHL really came on. And in Massachusetts it went from public school to Catholic school. Prep was always good, but then everyone wanted to go to prep. right. And then the USHL came on and it's older. It's an older league, very strong league, as you know. So that's the biggest change I've seen. Is that, and college coaches want older kids because you win with older kids. So and they want to win, um, of course. So uh, yeah, it, that's obviously the biggest change. Even it's like when my son came up through. I mean, a lot of the kids repeated a year in prep school, and then he went straight to college. And all those guys. So that was like 2002, and then now they want you to, for one or two years. In, in major, I mean, not major junior, in junior hockey. Right. So, yeah, definitely the biggest change and more more rice time and more emphasis on some good, some bad, on on skill development and being in the rink all the time, you know.
1: Paul, from your perspective, what what do you think is... You agree, and 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 what did you see? I mean, not not just as as a as a coach, but as a recruiter as well. As you were going on and seeing these players at different levels, you're watching them in prep school, but then you're also watching the junior guys, and you're you're able to at least see a difference in the level of play, the level of competition, and their their own maturity, both physically and emotionally, as players.
3: Yeah, I, I think for um, exactly what Coach Jacob said. I mean, right now. It's a little bit of a broken model, I think, just my opinion. Um, you know, the four out of the five oldest teams in the country last year were the frozen four of the NCAA, right? right. So like, it's just not um, not something I, I don't think long-term can keep going. The NCAA's got to do something. You can't have 24, 25-year-old seniors, and that's how your path to winning. Forget about the 20-year-old freshman. That, it is what it is. 24, 25, and then they added the grad transfer rule. They added free transfers um, so you don't have to sit a year. Um, And they granted an extra year last year, even though we still had a season. So you've got this glut of players uh, going into college and then also still in college that is going to make it even older. So there's got to be something that that gives because there's – with all the areas of hockey in the United States and obviously we have Europeans and Canadians, there's more players now too, and there's still only 60 Division One teams and I think 110 Division Three teams. So there's just not enough spots for these, a lot of really good players to play at any level. Um, and, you know, they're older, you know, so you have all these different things. With all that said, the biggest change I've seen is I can't believe how many kids now don't graduate from the high school they start at. Mm. It amazes me when kids will leave. And I'm not this isn't a slight at those people. They're making decisions based on what they think is best. But to go to a school, say for three years and then not graduate from it is is and go to online school somewhere and graduate from an online school. That to me is the biggest difference. I feel like parents I feel like when Coach Jacobs and his son were coming up through the ranks. You know, one thing Steve and his wife were going to have was he was going to graduate from his high school. He wasn't going to go to Apex Online and get a degree. And (laughs) and to me, that decision of okay, it's a hockey decision. Everything, it's a big deal. But we're going to base our hockey decisions based on education. I feel like that's really slipped away. Say, and that's more recent. That's like a five or six years the past where kids, it's just different now.
1: Is there something that the, that the schools can do, perhaps, to not have players repeat that might mitigate that? I think one of the one of the things that that enters into that is when you have a kid come into a prep school and he's got to repeat an academic year. Well, that you know, again, when they're looking at the clock, is ticking on junior. You know, junior hockey is a finite window, sixteen to twenty. So if they have to repeat another year, and so now they're looking at at, at graduating from high school at nineteen versus eighteen. Now you're looking at you know two two years tops in junior versus potential three or two and then they're into the into college as a 20 year old i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of things to to, to consider is there something maybe that like in exchange to mitigate that maybe you look at the and again i don't know much about the prep you know educ, you know the requirements and whatnot but maybe if if, if there were fewer requirements for people to repeat academic years maybe you you would see them finish it out i don't know
4: just just spitballing i don't
2: don't really think um we don't have any requirements Mm -hmm. for that you know it's it's really a family decision gotcha whether to repeat or not and and you know it it makes sense for a lot of families you know for many for maturity reasons academically Mm -hmm. living in a community and athletically so um you know, I think we, like we have two players that unfortunately left this year to go to the USHL, but that was their call, the family's call, but they never repeated. Now they're going to go straight into Northeastern, we're told anyways. We're not positive, you never know, next year right. after playing in the USHL. So, um, yeah, I don't know about mitigating. I, I don't know. Paul might have some ideas being at the Division One level, but to me I always tell families, hey, you know, I don't care how old you are. I mean – You know, it's your decision. It's a family decision that you need to make, and then we'll go from there.
3: Right. No, I think that's fair, right, is the repeating thing maybe maybe an issue there too. But I think it just goes back to the, and this isn't a hockey thing. This is a family thing of, like, you you just, when you go into the school, um, you look at it and you say, all right, my son or daughter, if we're talking about women's hockey, is ready to be a junior academically, then yeah, that's fine. Yeah. You know? I, I think it's a I think it's a good thing. But long term it's just different. It's really different.
1: Okay. Well on the on the note of since we're talking prep, it's a perfect time to talk about cushing. Um so, Paul, uh just you're now coming in your first year. You've had a chance to to be here for a little while, and 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 just really curious about what you've seen, what you've experienced, and then we'll get into your your vision a little bit and, and what you want to accomplish. But uh, just overall impressions of making the making the making the switch and, and how it's working out for you.
3: Oh, it's, it's working out unbelievably. So I, I had been there. Through my son and through recruiting, I'd been to the school many times, but really just the rank in the baseball field. I'd never seen mm-hmm. the inside, and it's a beautiful, beautiful campus, like unbelievable college feel to it. And um, you know, being there, the people are kind of what makes it. And I'm sure a lot of people who work at places say that, but literally, it's one of the most supportive places I've seen. Uh, There's just a great community sense um, starts with our headmaster and goes all the way down through that. Super friendly, super helpful, um, You know, really strong academically. Kids get a lot out of it, and the community and the dorms and things, uh, I, I feel like the kids are having a lot of fun, and it, it's a great place. So it's been nothing but uh, positives for me so far, and I've really, really enjoyed being there, and I think I can see why they've been so successful over the years, and, and hopefully we can continue that
1: great um and what about you what about you steve in terms of you know you coaching for so long and now you're stepping back you have different different duties different perspectives just tell yeah me.
2: i've always loved cushing you know um i never went to coaching college basically because i wanted my kids to go to cushing and i wanted to be there that's how much i loved it and like paul says it's there's so many support systems you know and For a coach, and now, uh, you know, I'm I'm not a coach, but I'm still involved, especially with the kids. You know, in hockey, they talk about puck touches. The more touches, the better. Well, the opportunity to have people touches at a place like Cushing and be involved in the community, it's pretty special.
1: Yeah, and, um, you know, just for people that may not be familiar, and I'm talking – you know, typically folks from new England have a better have a better grasp on it but when you when you start talking about players are coming from all over now so they 're coming from the midwest and the west coast and south you know i mean look at all the the top players that are coming out of florida for example and texas and so when you have an opportunity to potentially recruit players from outside of the area but but who the players themselves and maybe their parents don't have as much of an understanding of the process what are what are some of the helpful things that, that you can speak for from a cushing perspective that would maybe help them understand what steps they need to take to you know if they have a player at a high level that could could be on the team and and get the educational benefits of the prep school there.
2: Yeah, well first of all I'm biased but I still think I think that right now if I was a parent I'd say I want my son or daughter to go to prep school and get the education, the balance of the education and the great athletics and living in a community, leadership opportunities, all that stuff. Um, So I think that, and then you can play junior, you know, very few go straight nowadays into college. But, um, you know, to get back to your question, the, uh, what was your question?
1: The question, (laughs) just the process. (laughs) I talk talk
2: away, yeah, the process, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. So I think I'm big on advocating for yourself, Mm -hmm. and, you know, we get a lot of emails from parents, and that's great. Um, But I would reach out. There's so many great prep schools and great coaches. And um, as far as Cushing, we love it when someone really wants to come to Cushing. Like we feel we have a lot to offer. I don't think you know this is going. This is Paul's thing right now, recruiting the team. But we've had this discussion that you know um, we're not going to beg kids to come, but advocate for yourself. Go online, check out our website talk to as many people in the hockey world as you can. And then, um, you know, it's normal to send, send an email to the coach. And that gets you on the radar. And then we're always talking like, do you know him, do you know that? And then people that we know, we both have strong networks. And um, so we reach out to our network to see what we can find out about individual players, high character, some better students than others, but all good students. And then we go from there, right?
1: And you want people who want to be there. That's Absolutely. an important thing you said, right? You know, Absolutely. like you said, you don't want to have to beg someone. Yeah, there's a recruiting process, but it's all about they have to want to be there and they want to be committed and and buy in because you know, without that buy in, as you know, it's it's not going to re- work. It's really difficult, and you know, because just speaking academically, a school like Cushing, I mean it. And I think the, one of the great things that I've always understood about prep school, even though I didn't go. Um, was it really prepares them for the challenges of college life because you have to balance so many things especially as a student athlete with this the high demanding academics and you just don't get that in public school I know I had to I had to transition so so Paul I mean just from your perspective um, you know what are what are some of the things that, that when you're dealing with especially the new players coming in that haven't you know they didn't have a season last year so you've got some you know some probably academic sophomores that haven't played you know haven't played prep uh and so this is going to be new to them and then you have your new incoming freshmen that are adjusting to the to the academic load and your returners how you know what are some of the things you're doing to balance or to to attack that challenge of of having your team ready to go when the season starts
3: well I, i think structurally the school is set up so that um, the way that a kid's day progresses, it's built in to kind of teach them all those time management skills and things they need. Um, You know, we're fortunate. We have a great strength program at our school. So I think uh, part of it is hockey. You know, like you said, they might not have had a great season last year or whatever, but part of it is the maturity and kids growing up right before our eyes, you know, from 10th grade through 12th and the maturity, physical maturity they go through. So we have a great strength program that, that is able to help the kids develop that way. And then hockey-wise, you know, I, I think you know, we haven't started yet. You know, the, obviously the kids are doing some lifting and skating and playing in fall teams and all that here leading into it. But um, once we get going, I, th- I think, you know, we'll structure it. We'll try to run it as, as Steve has done. We'll, we'll run it like a college hockey program and, you know, get the kids the development that we think is going to help them play at the next level.
1: Yeah, and I'm talking about the uh, great segue to my next question, which is the fall season. So you've got players that are on different teams, but you also have the Central Mass Penguins. So I, I was just is an opportunity to talk about that and what that fall hockey schedule affords the players, uh, because again, going back to when we talked about changes, this is, you didn't have this back. In, you know, back then they were probably playing soccer or football or you know whatever they were doing, and then they went into hockey. So what is the you know, just talk a little about uh, Central Mass Penguins and 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 you know who's on who who is on those teams and and what is that doing for them in terms of preparing them for the for the new season.
3: Well, uh, Central Mass Penguins were fortunate that they're, they're a midget program that plays out of our rink, right? Now we don't have anything to do with the practices or the daily games or anything like that. It's just what, what's different for us than the other preps is it's. On our campus, right. so the the fact that that uh, Greg Thomas, who who runs the program, comes on and, and runs it out of our rink, the kids get to practice there, as opposed to having leave or not practice at all, so they don't miss study hall, they're not l- missing their afternoon activity in the fall, that they're, they're able to just still have the regular daily prep thing without having to worry about getting off campus, and um, you know there's three teams, uh, so kids are playing on all the different levels and things, so. Um, it will hopefully prepare them well for when we get started.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's getting on the ice. You know, that's basically it. And how it became the Penguins, it was the Senators. Right. That had nothing to do with us, obviously. But, um, you know, I mean, it, the other thing is we don't take our ice out ever. So our kids are skating. You know, I mean, we don't go on the ice with them. But they, they can skate. They skate at lunch. They skate during their free periods. And then they have a couple practices a week with, with, the, uh, with the Penguins, you know. And I think it's just I don't know if prep school will ever go to a little bit of a longer season um, because it's just uh, there's not many things change in prep school at the administration level. Right. So this is just a way to give the kids more opportunity to help develop their game.
1: Do you have any thoughts on that, like the benefits of of lengthening the season? I mean, if if in a perfect world, let's say, and you didn't have the constraints of of outside constraints, what do you what do you think about that? I
2: think it would make it an easy decision for parents. You know, that's something that's they're always tugging with. Like they don't really understand how our kids are getting as much development or more being in this community and 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 such. But uh, you know, there are several prep schools that play that way but not new england prep schools it, you know some right. they've branched off and that kind of thing but uh, i think it could be an advantage for, for the kids and such but uh, you know it, it also will hurt fall sports yeah. so that's a big consideration
0: new england hockey journals rink wise podcast will return after this message catch the sacred heart university pioneers on the ice this season The Pioneers Division I men and women's hockey programs will not disappoint. Season ticket packages and individual tickets are on sale now at sacredheartpioneers.com. And opening in 2023, Sacred Heart University's Martiri Family Arena, a brand new 122,000 square foot premier skating facility in Fairfield, Connecticut. Learn more at sacredheartpioneers.com.
4: Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. If you love college hockey and want an inside look at the game, get a copy of the book, Great Game, D1 College Hockey, People, Places, Perspectives. From the emotions of frozen fours to the atmosphere and classic venues, Bruce Haas has captured the passion that people have for the college game through interviews with players, coaches, officials, and fans. No other book captures the spirit of college hockey like this does. Great Game makes a great gift for the holidays for a college hockey fan. Score your copy of Great Game today on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Atascabooks.com, or at your local bookstore.
1: go back to some of the great teams you've had over the years and you've had players go all the way all the way to the highest levels and uh so this is an opportunity to just kind of go back a little bit and think about some of those players that you had the the opportunity to coach and and mentor and develop. And I'm just curious about some of your, you know, some of the fond memories or some of these players that were able to to achieve their dream to get to the very top and what were some of the attributes you think really were important to them being able to do that?
2: Yeah, so many, so many great players and kids and families. It's, uh, you know, so many memories I think that um, the attributes to get there—it's—it goes back to just loving the game, simple. Right. And then those guys with that battle, competitive edge—they—they're the ones that make it a little bit further, and then willing to go the extra mile. But, um, you know, to me, it's a—it's a product of uh, our our school and the and the community, and the assistant coaches and the administration that that help us um, that have helped produce. Many great players and kids, and not just at the Division One level. We've had a lot, but we've had a lot of great kids that have gone on to NSAC schools and right. great D three schools, who are also great hockey programs. So, um, yeah, all these kids just make a big time commitment. I think I'm the most proud of that, and going to a lot of weddings now, oh, you well, know, yeah. and having sure. their kids, yeah. having their children. You'll be
1: interested. The legacy, Pete. You know, yeah. the ones who you know, the sons and daughters of the of the players who played for you. Absolutely, and yeah. That's, yeah. And that's the ultimate validation. You know, I, I you know what I find, Paul, is that it's easy to talk about working hard. Right. And talk, you know it's the old adage, talk is cheap, right? But but the, but work is work, and you can see it, you can sense it, you can smell it. Those are the these are the guys that are staying out, coming on early, staying out, taking every you know like squeezing every every ounce they can out of their ice time. Are in the in the weight room, are dedicated. They're they're in asking questions. They're wanting to see their shifts. You know what do you what do you say to people who talk about working hard, but 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 really? you know, confine their work to when they come to the rink, because I think we all know if you're just working when you come to the rink, that's probably not going to be enough uh, to get you where you want to go.
3: Right, well, I, I think you point to examples of the kids who are doing it the right way, you know, and the kids who in the past did it the right way. That's what's great about being in a place like Cushing with the history, is um, you can point to any number of these players that, like Coach said, went on to Division One, NHL, NESCAC, whatever it might be, and Those are the guys who put in the extra time. And I think um, that's one thing that a boarding school like Cushing will kind of bring out is that maturity because you are there and you have the support group, but you're still going to make your own decisions. And mom or dad won't be there to push you every five minutes to say do this, do that. So it kind of reveals you a little bit as, as your maturity level increases you know and and that's where you know we hope to really develop kids that way or continue to develop kids that way
1: i was in uh, washington dc at the end of tom pody's career when he was with the capitals and just you know just he was that guy that was just really reliable and you know obviously you looked at his physical attributes that was a big part of of what got him there and allowed him to have the nhl career he did but just you know what was he what was it like coaching tom pody back in 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 the day when you guys were having those 35 and one seasons or
2: whatever yeah it was like okay get on the ice you know tommy's just so special in so many ways and he still is um he's a hockey father now but uh I really enjoyed coaching a guy like him because, as you say, he didn't just talk it. He he wanted to be on the ice all the time. He couldn't play another sport because he had these special allergies and things, so he just wanted to play hockey. And, you know, one of Paul's great points is, I mean, prep school fosters independence. So these guys come. Tommy came from close-knit family in Worcester, Mass., played for St. Peter Marion and. You know, in his early years, and he came, and then he just grew up at Cushing. And, uh, you know, I always knew he'd be successful. He's such a character guy. You know, his talent was ridiculous, his hands, and, and his, the, the way he saw the ice and played the game. But more so, or as important, his character and what a great teammate he was. You know, um, he just wanted everyone around him. To do their best and to have success. Yeah. So,
1: well, Coach Pearl, what about you? I mean, you've you've spent a lot of time coaching, you know, in the, a lot of years at Holy Cross, and then you know, more recently at Harvard and Boston University. So, like, what are who are what are some of the the things that you have looked at your players over the years, and you've seen is really. You know this is these are the things that these guys did that allowed them to be consistent and bring that that consistency and excellence to the rink every day, which opened doors for them to play at the higher levels.
3: Well, I think obviously beyond the beyond the baseline talent that the kids have right. to have to get to that next level, I think it's the kids who are all in. You know that you can just tell, and not just all in with the hockey and the weightlifting and things, and just all in in embracing. Holy Cross or embracing Harvard or embracing BU and they just love being there and that's where they want to be they're not looking for the next move they're not looking to move on before it's proper time you know what I mean they're they're not worried about signing a contract in the middle of January they're looking to help you win and they're great character guys as Coach Jacobs said it's Right through them, you know, you go right, you know, VZ and Kerfoot and you know Trevor Zegers and Joel Farabee, all of these kids that that I've been have the good pleasure. Adam Fox, uh, these players, right? Yeah. John Marino, all these guys. You might have heard
1: of those guys, I don't <laughs> right? know and, and and
3: and but then it also goes back to you know guys you wouldn't have Pat Rissmiller and Chris Fatty and and all these kids I coached at Holy Cross too. All of them had that same. You know, you were very happy when you saw them walk in the rink. Not just because they're really good at hockey, but they were—they brought something, brought something to the team, and they're just good character guys, and and make your job a lot easier as a coach, but also make the team work together a lot easier because they're just such good people.
1: Yeah, you just said something that really I think is is worth exploring more. And you said you're happy as a coach when they walk in the rink, but how important is it for the players? to be happy when they walk in the rink because isn't that really when it comes down to like when going to the rink is fun for them then that's all they want to do and you're going to get the very bad when it when they're preoccupied or they're stressed or or things aren't going well and they dread going to the rink that's that's the you know the antithesis of what you're trying to achieve as a coach, I would think. So, you know how 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 what do you, what can you guys do as coaches to to instill that that positive atmosphere so that it is fun for for players to come to the rink? How do you, how do you get there? How do you find that?
2: I say simply make it fun. I think you know, a guy like Tom Pody, he loved to have fun, right. and um, we want our kids to want to be come to the rink, obviously, and come in with a big smile on their face. So. I think Paul and I align ourselves, are aligned, you know, very similarly, philosophically. That we're going to be demanding, um, but we're going to make sure you have fun and you know that we have your back. Right, hundred percent. I mean, you, you. It starts with recruiting, right, and
3: and getting to know kids before they actually get to you. That there'll be someone that will want to be part of what you're trying to accomplish. But yeah, I mean, we're not splitting atoms we're not you know curing any diseases we're playing hockey and that's you got to have a little fun with that right i mean seriously 100%. If, if it was anything more than that they certainly wouldn't put me or jake in charge of yeah. something and that's that the best right? environment
2: right to, to develop as well when you're having fun i mean i think that's right. huge
1: and how important is the culture you know the players you know identifying who your leaders are who your guys are that are going to be inclusive and lead the way and set the right example so that those newcomers that don't know any better and they're coming from who knows and and you don't really have an appreciation necessarily for what they've experienced and so you have a chance to inculcate them into the Cushing culture and show them what right looks like because if you don't and then the keys are handed to them down the road potentially you know, it might not it it might not work out as well. It just how important is that to to get that the right leaders and the dynamic so that you have a cohesive room as quickly as possible?
3: I mean, culture is everything, right? In terms of that's why Cushing has been so successful for so long is because of the culture. And it you know, as as I'm getting integrated into it, I, I want to continue that same exact thing of. Leaders passing on to new leaders, young kids coming in learning from the older guys. Like that—that's what, you know—that's what's going to happen to these kids in their professional lives, and that, that's what we're hopefully teaching on a day-to-day basis uh, in
2: what we do. Yeah, and talk about it every day. You know, when we're telling telling these parents that, you know, some of these young kids—they're young, great athletes and students. Hey, our older kids are going to put their arm around you. You're now a cushion guy, and that's really important. So, I mean. We talk about culture, and as I said, every single day. And as Paul said, it means everything.
1: Yeah, I mean, as former military, I can tell you, it's 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 critical, of course. In, in, my, in that line of work, if your culture isn't right, it's you know, people die. So, not to get overly dramatic on a hockey podcast, no. but it's something I've always been very sensitive to. And uh, I look at it with the Boston Bruins, and you know, an example is a, is a Nick Foligno who comes in and he talks, tells a story about how. Patrice Bergeron's personal phone call lobbying him to sign with the Boston Bruins made more of a difference than his own brother, you know, <laughs> you know, had the chance to play with his own brother in in the Minnesota Wild and that's hey look Billy Guerin's with the Minnesota Wild and they're certainly I think turning things in the right direction but uh, there's a lot to be said and 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 if you build that culture word gets out and then people want, you know, the good people want to be there because good people are, you know, I am a firm believer in, you know, you're judged by the company you keep.
2: Yeah, we want them to have the best experience possible.
1: Yeah, fantastic. So, um, so, so, Coach Jacobs, just, just curious, and, and you, we've talked about Cushing. You were there. You've, you've you've coached. You've seen a lot. What led to the decision to maybe take a step back and 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 you know, okay, not going to be coaching the team. You're still involved, obviously, and but 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 to 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 move back and 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 have Coach Pearl come in and, and take over and steer the ship.
2: Well, when I came back to Cushing in 2017, um, this was the plan, okay? And I, I, you know, I wanted to convince the administration that having another layer, because in prep school everyone's so busy, you know, and uh, our assistant coaches, they're teaching, they're doing duties, and, and, you know, it's just they don't have an advantage of helping the kids as much as they'd like to. So, um, you know, I, I also have grandchildren playing hockey now, and I'm thinking about moving on. I'm a little older now. Um, so this just gives me an incredible opportunity to still do what I love, inspiring kids every day. Also the transition, mm-hmm. which is so easy with Paul. Um, you know, I didn't realize how easy it would be, but I didn't realize we'd be able to attract a guy like Paul to come. And I think just uh, our plan at Cushing is, like, just adding another layer of support for the kids. I'm involved with the whole program. Paul is, too. I may have more of an opportunity because he has to concentrate a little bit more with the varsity team, but the varsity B team and the JV team, we have a lot of kids that are really important to our school and deserve that. So I think that this just gives us an opportunity, and I can also recruit. I'm going to make a few trips, and... And also support our kids on a daily basis, you know, just another support system.
0: Well,
1: Paul, how how important has that been to have have someone like Steve with his breadth of experience to be there to you know, he's not just stepping away and leaving and here you go and you've gotta figure it out, but you have you know, a partner to be able to, to to help you build that next step and, and mold the team into your you know, to what your vision is to, to, to be successful going forward.
3: Oh, it's, it's been unbelievable. I mean, there's no way that this transition would have been as smooth w- without Coach Jacobs there. I mean, he's he's been my my thoughts, eyes, ears, everything in terms of learning all about Cushing and everything that goes on since day one. So it, it's uh, no, it, it it wouldn't have worked this well, not even close to work this well without someone. Like Coach, and, and certainly he just wants what's best for Cushing Hockey, which is, is enormous too. You know what I mean? There's no, there's no ego involved there. He's just been super, super helpful, and, and I, hopefully I've also, to him, been respectful enough about the whole process because, again, no, no one's going to do it better. And Coach Jacobs has done it for the past thirty years, but you know I'd like to try to do it as well as he has, and and he's been nothing but supportive in in order of in order to, for us to get to that point.
2: Right. Yeah, and we hit a home run with this guy. Yeah.
1: No. And it's hey, <laughs> it listen. The, the the track record speaks for itself, right? And you've been you've been involved at a lot of levels and. At the end of the day, I think continuity is is so important. Right? anytime there's change, there's going to be, be just by nature of you being who you are. I mean, it's it's not going to be the same. But the but when there is a change and it's a wholesale change, you know, an entire staff goes away and a new one comes in. Uh, the turbulence, you know, that staff has to figure out the environment. They have to figure out their team. The players are unsettled. They don't, you know. So I imagine that for the the returning, you know, the upperclassmen, the, the the penguins, they there is a comfort zone of knowing that you're that you're there, Coach Jacobs, and that that, that they're in good hands, and that there is a, a transition and some continuity to to the entire yeah. process. That yeah. was
2: one of the big reasons, also, and also all the kids that I recruited, because we hired Paul in July, right? So and he's mm-hmm. also done a little recruiting too. Um, so yeah, the continuity is huge, and our administration understands how important. The hockey program is to the school, and that that means the world to us. No question. So, yeah.
1: so on the note recruiting note, okay. And I'm not asking you to divulge any, you know, Colonel Sanders secret recipe things to to what you guys do that that's key to your success, but. You know, you have a you have a chance to talk to players. You have a chance to talk to player uh, parents that are listening to this. Uh, what do you What do you tell a kid that's that's aspiring to be a Cushing Penguin? That you're looking for. What are the things that when you're in these rinks and you guys are there, see you, uh, and that's what it takes. You got to put the you know put the put the rubber on the pavement and, and get out to the rinks and see these guys play. But what do you tell them uh, so that they can have a shot, have, be successful? The attribute you know, and we talked about attributes before, but. You know, it's harder. It's easier for a younger kid to to be addressed. You know, when you say, "Hey, he's talking to me," so what do you want to see from these players? What do you What do you look for when you're sitting in the rink and a and a a player catches your eye? We'll start with you, Coach Pearl.
3: Um, You know, a going back a little bit out of the hockey part, a kid who wants to go to Cushing, right? So after we kind of make our initial presentation, we want someone to be excited about the school and, and as excited about the school as we are. Uh, in terms of the hockey part, you know, competitive kids, you know, kids who can get around the rink. I love kids who can skate fast. You <laughs> know, it makes sense, right? Um, skill, speed, sure. uh, but that competitiveness is is really important. Like you have to have a guy. Tom Pody could be the most skilled guy in the world, but there's an undercurrent of that competitiveness that will come out at the key moments when he's going against. He's not gonna. Ha- it's not gonna happen very often, but you're gonna go head to head with kids that are close to as good as you. You've got to be more competitive than them if your team's going to win, you know, and I, I think that those things are, are extremely important. The, the other thing is, you know, I think a good teammate, you know, and I think that's overlooked sometimes. Like, I'm sure Coach Jacobs has done the same thing in the past. I'll talk to it's – it's a college thing, but we, we're going to do it at the prep school level, uh, talk to their former coaches and the guys who were coaching them at that time and getting to know that kid, you know, the precocious type that uh, – isn't gonna to want to be part of pulling the same pulling the same rope is not a good thing. And, you
1: know? and what do you see? What do you see on the ice? Like you know, you can I mean look we've been around we've been around hockey and I was I scouted for the Omaha Lancers. And so what do players do, you know, what are some of the things when you talk about being a good teammate versus maybe not so good, but what are you know, we'll focus on the positive, right? And and, and give them the roadmap to success. But Coach Jacob's like what are the things that you can see right away that you can tell, you know that when you talk to that coach He's going to say he's a good he's a good kid he's a good teammate um, yeah. but you can it's, see it
2: yeah it's little things you know it's it's are they changing up are they moving the puck are they taking three hard steps and getting going on the back check are they encouraging each other how's their body language they have right. good body language um, you know so as coach said the guys that can skate and it's it's just part of it right so. And I know you're alluding to that fact that yeah, we want the kids that are going to be. You can tell their character; it's a sense right. of their character. And as as coach said, talking to their coaches, you get a good handle on that.
1: One hundred percent. I think you know we 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 started the the podcast with this, and we talked about specialization. The reality is, you know, I've only been you know scouting and working the media since you know the end of of you know the late '90s. So I I have so much more to learn. But what I've noticed is. The skaters are so much better. You know, it used to be your exceptional skaters were a very small percentage of the guys on the ice. You had a lot of good skaters, and then you had a pretty high percent, you know, or decent percentage of guys that, that weren't all that mobile and, and weren't all that fleet of foot. Now, those ones that really have trouble getting around the ice are few and far between. Like, then they stick out like a sore thumb, right? And most kids can skate, most kids can handle the puck. So, what I find myself doing doing is exactly that i'm looking at the body language i'm looking at the details you know are they stopping on pucks are they stopping at the net or are they just doing the flybys are they cheating and you know leaking out of zone the zone early you know trying to trying to get that breakaway pass versus you know getting back in the zone and being where they need to be in puck support these things i learned you know working in the yeah. ushl but Sound that like that a starts, coach. that's important right <laughs> and 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 uh but those are the things I look for because nowadays most guys, there are there are a lot of plenty of players out there that are talented enough in terms of their skating and their skills to play junior hockey, to play D one hockey. But if they don't have those other things, that's where and you and you talk to Coach Pearl about hey, there's only a finite number of programs, right? So just uh, just curious about you know what and and some of that. You can't be taught like these kids. They either have it or they don't, right? They have athleticism, that athleticism, yeah. They have the athleticism, right? Yeah. So, what do you what do you tell them that, you know things they can do to get better? Things maybe not necessarily hockey related, but things that they can do in their spare time uh, to better themselves. Um, either programs, books, um, things that they can do to, to help themselves, maybe get in the right kind of Mindset to, to be successful at this level and, and maybe be the kind of person that you want at Cushing.
3: Well, I I, th- I think you have to a do things off the ice. You know, and it doesn't mean you have to s- spend a ton of money on you know a, a, some expansive off ice program or something like you you can still lift weights. You know, in in different areas. Now for the younger guys, it might not be bench pressing and things like that, but like small things. I think every kid should own a jump rope. You know, for instance, like right. things like that, like that you could really juggling anything. Yeah. Like all the all the things that don't cost anything, right? right, that are easy to do, that self-motivated kids will try to do. But then it goes back, you say, going full circle on the, on this podcast, it goes back to playing other sports, too, and right. and being involved in in different things that, you know, you play baseball. You better have good hand-eye coordination, or you're, you're not going to play very much, right? Or exactly. you know, you, you can go through all the different sports, and you got to be able to run and be quick if you're going to play soccer, and you got to be tough if you're going to play football, and you know, all those things really help, and, and I think help develop a, a, an athlete to then be once he can specialize when he's fifteen, sixteen, seventeen into hockey, then
2: you know, it can lead to good things. Yeah, developing the athleticism is always is what he's talking about, right? Right,
1: exactly. So I like to I like to ask this question, uh, especially the coaches that we that we have on, because you know it, it kind of gets to the heart of the matter of, of, of who you are as people and, and what and again it, the most successful of us are the ones that understand that life is a, a constant learning process, and if you you're sitting there saying to yourself you figured it out, then you're probably don't have much time left or either that or yours amazing because I, I, I know there's so much in the middle so if you could go back in time and we'll start with you coach Jacob you go back back in time to your very first year at Cushing and you had all the knowledge that you have now and you could could tell young younger we'll say younger coach Jacobs what give him some advice based on everything you've learned over the years what, what would you what would you tell yourself
2: I'd say relax you know, um, early in my career, I was like, you know, if we don't do every single drill perfectly, and, you know, I'm still big on that, but um, just relax and enjoy the process and understand better what a privilege it is and what a great opportunity it is to inspire I th- inspire kids every day. And, you know, we all want to learn. Uh, we're still trying to learn. I know he's the same way as me. We read every book we can about you know, character, inspiration, leadership, that kind of thing. So um, I think I can remember my first year is just right out of coaching public school that uh, I had a player tell me once when I was yelling to move the puck that, Coach, he came off the bench, great kid, and he said, Coach, I can't even function with you doing that. So I learned that over the years. So it would be relaxed and just – i always worked hard so just to continue that but to understand also building how important it is to build their heads and their confidence and be demanding but not demeaning right so great coach pearl uh,
3: a like coach said absolutely relax and, and kind of enjoy the ride a little bit more um you know, you put your nose down and you keep going sometimes and then you look up and you're like, it's February already, what happened? And you're like, "Oh, you know, you you just, you you do need to enjoy it and a little more perspective, but I mean, that's what comes with being older, right? But the second thing I would say is, and this has developed as the years go along, is more and more and more individual meetings. Like, you're always talking to the team and when you watch the movie, you know, that's the coach and Hoosiers giving the team the great talk, but The best things about our job, I think Coach would agree with me, when you sit in the office with one or two of the players and you talk about nothing to do with hockey and you just Mm -hmm. learn about their lives, you learn about and have a laugh or two. like That that to me is, looking back, I wish I had more of that. I've had a lot of it, and over the past couple of years, maybe not being a head coach and being second in command at Harvard and BU gave me more of an opportunity to kind of appreciate that, and you didn't have to have that. Division, you know, as, as what I thought was important as a head coach, um, yeah, yeah. Just getting to know these kids personally, and, and uh, you know, you're, you're going to be their coach. You're not going to be their friend, but you certainly can be super, super supportive and uh, and learn more about them individually.
2: I think that's they just- need to know you
1: care. Exactly, man. I was looking. What I was getting ready to say is, I think that's so important because a lot of these players need to be told sometime, and they just need you to talk to them to acknowledge that they are there and that you appreciate that they're a part of it. And if you do that, they'll go through. The, they'll go through that brick wall behind you, right, for you. But if you don't talk to them, you know. And I always would say, you know, like I, sometimes the players in Omaha would come to me, and you know. Uh, yeah. Coach isn't talking about. It. I think he's mad at me. You know. what, what is he saying to you? Well, nothing. Mm, okay. So then I'd say you, you probably need to go have a conversation with Coach. You know, and 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 talk to him and 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 pick his brain about you know what you can be doing. And so that's great to know. I mean, that's I think that's fantastic. Uh, I guess the last thing I would what ask you guys. Uh, and I, again, really think we've had an awesome conversation. Really appreciate you guys joining us today in studio uh, for the New England Hockey Journal RinkWise podcast. But um, when you look back on what you, you know, and, and again, it's not over. You're still... You're still out there coaching. Your 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 legacies are not set in stone. But what are you most proud of to date in terms of some of the things you've accomplished? Um, you know, with your teams and, and the players you've 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 coached. And we'll start with you, Paul. Just you know, just what are you looking back? Like, what are the things that you can take some real satisfaction of knowing that you did and did well?
3: Well, I I think um, you know you you have different successes and different failures throughout your coaching career. Um, And and certainly, you know, for me personally, getting through both of those and still trying to be the same person and still care um, to this day, like just love coaching and continue. But if you went to like individual things, I think every season, you know, hopefully getting to March and feeling like you have a better team, whether that was raising a trophy or winning your ninth game because that year you just didn't have much talent, you know, and kind of sticking to it. And I I think looking back – had a lot of I've been fortunate been you know coached with a lot of great players and and won a lot and all that but even the, the years we didn't win in certain instances still just feeling like and making sure the team felt like hey we, this was a success because in the end it's hockey right and they, we learned something from this year, and and it, it let now that doesn't mean haven't greatly preferred in the seasons when you raise trophies at the end of the you know what I mean that that you win, but um, just that that whole feeling of accomplishment that you as a whole team can not just individually but you as a whole team can have at the end of the season and know that that it was worth your while. Great, Coach Jacobs.
2: Uh, I don't know what to add to that. It's it's to me it's. Um, know we've had a lot of good teams we've had a lot of great players and i'm most proud of the fact that the growth each year as paul says and the fact that the relationships you develop and how having that feeling that you really taught them something okay and having them know that you know i'll always be here for you even after you graduate and that kind of thing so the real life stuff so uh Sounds corny, maybe, but that's, it's, you know, we had some great teams. All our teams are special to me. And, uh, you know, and, and making sure they understand the stuff we talk about every day, like, you know, be a great teammate. Give everything you have. It's not about you. This is bigger than you. So that's what we work at. And when you have that feeling at the end of the year that you accomplish that, it's pretty rewarding. Yeah.
1: Winners on the ice, winners in life. Right? That's right. And that's what it's about. As I
2: said, you get invited to weddings. And that's it. <laughs> we talk to them all the time. Paul has a has a Zoom call coming up with all the alumni. We're going to chat and talk that's about our culture and our future and so on and so forth.
1: Well, this has been great. And uh, if we can just tease just a little more of uh, some hockey nuggets out of you, we're going to go to our famous rapid fire round. It's time for rapid fire. Rapid fire, we'll start with uh, Coach Jacobs, and then we'll alternate you guys on each question. But uh, <laughs> first, we're, you're in the hot seat, guys. So first first question, what was the first hockey team you played for?
2: Oh, wow. Youth hockey? Blackhawks in the Hudson Town League. There you Outdoors. go. <laughs> Outdoors. Outdoors. There you yes. go. Oh, I get to answer yes. the same
3: question. I thought we were getting different. The uh, Winthrop Might A's, you know, the, <laughs> We're playing. We didn't wear masks. It was great. It was, uh, I saw a couple, of my mother still has the pictures of them. It's hilarious. Yeah, no.
1: I know. I want you guys both to be able to weigh in on these. Um, but I will st- we'll start with you here. Who was the uh, hockey player you most looked up to growing up?
3: Oh, uh, Ray Bork. Just thought he was fantastic.
2: I love Ray Bork, but Bobby Orr.
1: Bobby Orr, there you go. Uh What aspect of the game do you most enjoy teaching, coaching?
2: Uh, I think when you say teaching, coaching, it's inspiring the kids, having that opportunity every single day to touch as many kids as I can and and help inspire them. Um, I'll, I'll go the
3: hockey route here.
1: D zone coverage. D-zone Can't coverage. get enough. There of you it. go. All right. Okay. For you then, guy Lafleur or Mike Bossy? <laughs> Mike Bossy all day long. Yeah, I had there his, you go. There you go. I had
3: his his model <laughs> Titan, the white Titan. Yeah, the white Titan. That yeah. yeah,
1: guy could
2: rip it I yeah,
3: love That the, was my. That was my. The floor was better, stick. but I like I like Bossy better.
2: <laughs> Coach uh, Bossy, absolutely bossy, yeah. fifty goals a year. You know, we teach about you know shooting the puck, <laughs> not aiming the puck. Yeah, that was Bossy. So and. Lefleur was great, the hair going, going up the rank, but he played for the Canadians. There you go. There no. you go.
1: Coach Jacobs, toughest player you ever coached?
2: Well, oh, you know, um, so many tough kids. I don't want to leave people out. I can't even remember my early team sometimes. Maybe Brad Norton. Brad Norton. Or Brad Malone. There you go. Other tough cat. There you go. Both kids fought in the NHL and played hard and physical.
3: Um, two way tie. Uh, Luke Esposito, who was like a borderline lady Bing guy, but he had two separated shoulders and never missed a game for us at Harvard. It was incredible yeah, that he would toughness, show up. Yeah, Unbelievable. That's tough. And I had a kid at uh, at Holy Cross, Paul Cavanaugh, whose dad actually is the famous Cavanaugh from the Bean Pots and everything from Harvard. But yeah. Paul, Paul was
1: tough as nails. I wouldn't have wanted to mess around with that guy. All right. Um, favorite season behind the bench and why.
3: I mean, I have an obvious one. I mean, we, in 06, we, we won our league. We won, and then we beat Minnesota in the uh, NCAA tournament. Um, that was pretty good. The other one would be my first year at Portsmouth Abbey when I was sure we weren't going to win a game. And we actually won like four. So that was pretty fun, too. Awesome. Coach Shagans.
2: Uh For me, um, you know, a funny story is that I learned so much of what, so much hockey from a guy by the name of Peter Van Buskirk, who happened to be Paul's <laughs> He's coach in college. And I coached with him in 1978 and we won the uh, Division One mass. this was before the Super 8, Mass State Championship. So um, that was my intro to coaching and then you know maybe our 96 team or our 2002 team who just won so many games. But uh, And then 96 was the year we opened our rank too and we won a championship. That was pretty special.
1: Pretty special. Last question. Uh, i'll start with you coach jacobs what nhl player in the league today would you most want to coach
2: patrice bergeron Uh,
1: yeah yeah no brainer patrice bergeron yeah i can't go wrong with captain patrice so uh again i want to thank you both for 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 being so generous with your time and um it's, uh, it's great. Uh, appreciate the insights on Cushing Academy and, and where the program's going. Wish you both the best. Again, thank you for coming on. And for uh, Coach Steve Jacobs, Coach Paul Pearl, this is Kirk Ludicky, and we will see you at the rink.
0: Thanks for listening to New England Hockey Journal's RinkWise Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other podcast platforms. Follow us on Twitter at Journal, on Instagram and Facebook at New England Hockey Journal, and subscribe to New England Hockey Journal online at HockeyJournal.com. New England Hockey Journal's RinkWise is a Siemens Media podcast.